Hello, everybody. Welcome to breaking news report of Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I am Sam Fain, and I am joined by a very special guest, the one and only Chad Olson, Legends Team Extraordinaire, Uncharted Territory co-host. The list goes on and on. Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm really good. You know, it's been a bit of a long week, but uh, I'm very excited to be able to talk about the pre-order announcement tonight, uh, which, of course, uh, we'll get to in just a second. Uh, but I'm even more excited to be able to have a one-on-one with you. It's been a while since you and I have had the chance to, to chat, and uh, it'll be great to talk about uh, not only the announcement, but um, the previous week's announcement of Bob Backlund, and then the, the set in general, and of course... We're on the road to Galacticon, as Todd keeps reminding me. So uh, yeah. we're going to talk about some of your Galacticon memories, um, you know, and you were at the very first one. So uh, I look forward to uh, to hearing what you have to say uh, about that. Um, but let's just dive in right with our big pre-order announcement. Uh, it is possible that you're listening to this shortly before the actual website goes up. So if, if you're listening to this now, you're going to get an exclusive. Uh, if, if you're listening to it a little bit later than you already know the news, and that is that it's true. It's damn true. Kurt Angle is coming to the George Tragos Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame set to Chad. Tell us how this amazing signing happened. I mean, for this set, and you know, you're going to hear me say this a lot about some of the signings in this set. Um, this signing is all, all due to Jerry Briscoe. Um, after we put out the first set. Thank last, goodness for that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, Jerry's always been one of my favorites over the past few years. And um, I, I love that guy more and more every day <laughs> because of, of the connections <laughs> he's made. Um, and I think folks who come out to the Hall of Fame this year and get to meet Jerry and interact with them, they're going to have a good time and learn, you know, what an awesome guy he is. Um, but after the set came out in September, he shared, he texted, you know, not to name drop, but he texted myself, um, who else? JBL, Kurt Angle, and Terry Funk. And he said, <laughs> you know, guys, the Hall of Fame's in trouble this summer. Uh, this game, you know, raised $2,000 for the Hall of Fame over the summer. And, um, you know, if you can help out by, you know, being a part of this, that would be great. And they'll do another set this upcoming summer. And, um, you know, we'll just talk about it right now. JBL can't do it because of his WWE contract. He was very, you know, I'd I'd love to, you know, but he he just can't do it. Um, Terry Funk, I've had some talks with a couple times and uh, just, um, you know, not quite there yet. Hopefully someday, but, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of how it is sometimes, you know, I think right. somebody mentioned on the discussion board, Oh, we'll get the funks next year. I mean, we may never get the funks, <laughs> but it's certainly not for a lack of trying dating as far back as Tom talking to Terry. And, and I've had some <laughs> conversations with them and they've kind of fluctuated a little bit. And, um, but Kurt angle right away said, sure thing. And the next thing, you know, I have an email from Kurt angle. And, uh, you know, I just kind of explained it to him and I'm like, can, you know, I can send you the form, sir. Sure. And he gives me his address. And with that one and with the announcement that actually was today, I feel like we're on Loki and we're jumping around the TV. I know, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, the announcement of Bob Backlund, you know, I send him self-addressed stamp envelopes. So it's kind of like a big surprise. I open my mailbox and I get, it's my handwriting. So like, Oh, it's a legends form. I'm wondering who it's from. You know, <laughs> I rip it open and it's, I mean, 
I'm like standing in the middle of my street. Now I do not live in a large city. I do not live on a busy street, but I'm standing in the middle of the street calling Mike because I'm so excited because I have a Kurt Angle form in my hand. <laughs> and then shortly thereafter, you know, I had a couple yeah. conversations with Bob Backland and um, at first he thought we were doing a fundraiser that required his presence. And he was concerned, you know, he, he couldn't commit to coming to Waterloo because the pandemic, you know, this was back in, I think November, if, you know, because I think the yeah. day you and I talked and I showed you that one on the air, I think that was the day I got Kurt yeah. Angles, right? So that, I think that was back yeah. last fall. And, um, yeah, you know, Backland, uh, Jerry called him back, explained things, and I had sent one form. I sent him another one, and I actually got two forms back from Bob Backland. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we can auction one someday or do something with it that way. <laughs> Um, right <laughs> yeah so yeah, I, I yeah i mean I, I guess you know you you just confirmed too for some people that had been wondering um you know what the announcement was or you know what the the uh uh release was that you shared with me when when i had that reaction and, yep. and it was indeed the kurt angle one but it's funny because that at that same time you told me about the potential for bob backland and uh you know i i mentioned uh on, on the boards tonight you know about like hey you know i was so excited when i learned about this one and and you know it was someone who i never thought was possible and and the same goes for kurt angle to the point where like kurt angle like bob backland was kind of on that it'd be nice, but it probably won't happen. Wish list. Like that's the, right. he was there. Whereas Kurt Angle wasn't even anywhere in the vicinity of a wish list because I just figured that there was absolutely no possibility of that happening. At least not now, you know, maybe right. 10 years down the road or something like that. Um, but I mean, they're both such incredible signings and it was fun to be able to kind of sit on these for the past few months uh, because I just had anticipation for how people would react and the reactions have obviously been overwhelmingly positive. And I can only imagine what they're going to be like for, for Kurt Angle. Um, Now, you know, obviously at this point, you've been also hard at work uh, on getting the cards statted Mm -hmm. and getting everything ready for the release, uh, you know, without obviously spoiling too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, What can you tell us about, about, you know, statting these two in particular about Bob Backlund and Kurt Angle? So, you know, Bob Backlund, Tim had him in his fantastic 70s WWWF set. Um, Obviously, you're, you know, you don't need to um, reinvent the wheel with that one because Tim did a lot of research on those um, using, you know, a lot of the footage that was on the WWE network. If people remember what that was, Um, (laughs) I'll be honest, like, I didn't realize how bad Peacock sucked until I tried to do this set. Yeah. And and it was just disappointing. And somebody had asked me to help him with a, a, another project. And I was trying to find, it's like, there's nothing on. It's terrible. Yeah. Like I might have to, I'm not smart enough to figure out a VPN, from another country, but I might have to take a stab at it now. I figure if I YouTube it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's weird because I, so I have a VPN and at one point I would thought to myself, you know, I'm going to try and do this. And uh, apparently the, you know, the software that they've been using, I guess because the network is set up very similar to MLB TV and like MLB oh, TV has pretty right. advanced stuff in place to keep people from watching like, you know, uh, blackout games. Right. And so there are ways around it, but at the same time, it is, it, it, it it's not as easy, unfortunately, as just being like oh i got a vpn i'll be able to take care of this um the thing i've been doing lately is just going back and buying some of the old dvds and blu-rays that i skipped Mm -hmm. on because i thought well with the network i really don't need this because it's all right there and now it's like 
I, I, I do feel like I need all this stuff. And I can only imagine that it's, you know, made your job a, a little bit more difficult uh, yeah. compared to what it was a year ago. Yeah, it, it, it really has. So thankfully we had all the thing, um, you know, the footage for Backland, we have tweaked them a bit and we made some, uh, what we think are improvements, you know, not like giving them a plus five finisher, but just more accurate move set. And, and obviously Tim's move set was very accurate, but we did some things to kind of, you know, as we looked at him and we compared him to like Jack Briscoe, it's like, gosh, we have these cards set up a lot alike. And mm. I, I, I think Sam, you can empathize, you know, we're going to want to run some Bob Backlund, Jack Briscoe matches and maybe oh, dif- yeah. differentiate their cards. And not to mention either of those guys against Kurt Angle or the Briscoes against Backlund and Angle. I mean, holy cow. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, I can, so, there's so many cool matchups available, yeah. too. I was thinking, another one that I was thinking about, too, was like Backlund and Bachwinkle, uh, oh, yeah. or, you know, Backlund and Race, because um, they had. Uh, it was a few matches in Madison Square Garden, I think. Um, yeah, two matches. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just a lot of really cool stuff to to do with him. But but I yeah, I can definitely understand what you're saying about not wanting the card to be you know too similar. Um, it, it's strange because that's something that I n- never gave a lot of thought to before, other than when I would hear like you talk about it, or I'd hear Rob talk about stuff like that from time to time, uh, or Zeke talk a little bit about it. I never thought to myself oh, you know, if I create a card, I'm going to have to worry about something like that. And then, like, all I've created is that one card, the Edith Surreal card, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it became a very real concern of mine where it's like, okay, I want to take a look at, you know, especially some of the people that I would compare her to, like, in ring style, and make sure that I'm not just, like, you know, aping another card. Right. Um, So I can imagine, especially when you've got the volume of cards that you've created, what that would, you know, that that could put you in a corner uh, real quickly. Um, How do you, you know, how do you, I know you've got your, your magic spreadsheet mm-hmm. uh but but what are some of the things that you might do to you know differentiate like a bob backland card from a jack briscoe card while also keeping it different from maybe other cards mm-hmm. a lot of times what we'll do is is take out the cards of guys we would anticipate it either it's either a dream match or it's a historic feud and see how they compare you know head mm-hmm. to head like when we did um and again, this was, you know, this was Tim, this was, I just rearranged the artist and, and, um, set him up, you know, with Mike's help. Um, <laughs> I, I, maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. Sorry, Mike, just ignore that. Um, <laughs> you know, the Bruno and superstar Billy Graham bootlegs we did last fall or yeah. right around the holidays, you know, obviously that's a historic rivalry. So how are they going to match up? Who's going to take, you know, if there's an agility on power uh, on level one, number six, how's that going to match up against their big rival? Um, stuff like that. So we kind of did that with with um, Backlund and Briscoe. Um, Angle, we did some stuff for him that I think compares him to more of the modern guys, but he's still going to work well with those guys. Um, and, and when you see the card, this will all make sense. I try, I try not to spoil things, you know, especially because sure. right now we've shipped off the stats um, to Mike. So he's getting them set up in the templates and then we'll review them all. And, you know, there, there still could be some 11th hour changes, but I think, I think what we've done, Mike and Todd will take a look at and see, yeah, that makes sense. And especially this set is hard, these hall of fame sets, because they're hall of famers. So you're not going to have a bunch of, it's not like you're going to have a lot of mid to undercard guys who have, you know, there's no C ratings, I think on anybody's card (laughs) or very few, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so it is hard to structure a set of all main eventers. It kind of harkens back to when we did that first color set, you know, mm-hmm. and that was a real high powered set too. Um, but yeah, I think people will be uh, excited about the cards. Um, trying to think off the top of my head without blurting out, um, you know, Don Curtis, he was a hard one to research just because there's not a lot of stuff out there. I, I talked on Uncharted Territory this week. The the one match I watched and really enjoyed was him and Lou and his heels in Chicago. That Chicago film archive. Oh, you think I love it's so that. great for wrestling. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I mean, we'll just watch matches sometimes we've never heard of either one of them. And then you mm. get super surprised, you know, it's like, wow, this guy's kind of a shining star. Yeah. Um, yep. There's one, the person, the person for Galacticon, you know, that's going to be, I think, pretty exciting too. Um, yeah. and then, you know, T-Bolt, um, I mean, I love my friend Thunderbolt Patterson, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he throws a lot of punches, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so we, uh, it's like when you think about like, you know, like Jackie Fargo, you know, it's yeah. sort of like you think about, okay, well, that one was a stretch drop, too. I got punches. Yeah. I got <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, we talked to Pete Fusco, uh, who did a, a version of T Bolt in his his great JCP eighty five set, and um, use that for a little inspiration. But I tried to find some other stuff too, and some stuff maybe when he was younger and more in his prime. Um, yeah. So you'll see a couple moves that obviously are are similar because that's what he did. But um, maybe, you know, maybe a different finisher, a different setup for, for T-Bolt. Um, let's see, trying to think who else has been announced. Um, yeah, we, we haven't announced the other guys yet, so I can't really talk about right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I better yeah, keep my mouth I'm, shut or I'll get banned. <laughs> I, I can't I, I can't wait until, uh, you know, everyone else finds out the rest of the, the, the roster because, you know, there's, there's still some really, really cool names. And I think people will be very, very happy. And I, I think that, you know, just continuing the theme of the, the Hall of Fame and being able to pay tribute and, and also kind of raise awareness uh, amongst fans of the game about the Hall of Fame um, is, is incredibly important. Um, and speaking of which, you know, the Hall of Fame is obviously the the weekend right after Galacticon. Um, why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about that and tell tell us you know what's what's coming up and what's on the docket for that? Yeah, so you know I've been working hard. I mean, the past two weeks actually after as soon as the IPW 20th anniversary show was over, we took the Sunday off, and then Troy Peterson, you know, my the promoter of IPW, my lifelong friend, we've been best friends for 40 years. <laughs> we dove into the Hall of Fame stuff, um, you know, because the the hall of fame in the dan gable museum the folks who run the dan gable museum do have a an amateur wrestling slant you know the jim miller the director he's one of the winningest coaches in nca history he's like the division three coaching version of dan gable Mm -hmm. he took his team to 10 national championships and 21 out of 23 uh conference titles and turned around a program that hadn't won a pro uh won a conference title in like 15, 20 years. Um, and he's a fantastic guy and his enthusiasm is so contagious, but he doesn't have the pro wrestling background, but you know, 2019 was his first year at the hall of fame, um, observing it that way as being director of the museum. And he just loved it. You know, he, he gets so excited and, uh, Becca Roper, the, uh, the assistant there, she's fantastic. Her husband is one of the, um, wrestling coaches at UNI, the university of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. So, um, and she's also a lifelong amateur wrestling fan. Uh, her, her dad was a coach and I think she had a couple siblings who wrestled, 
But both of them have just accepted the pro wrestling community with open arms. But in terms of making all the connections and setting thing up, it's really Troy and then me assisting him. So reaching out to the wrestlers and, and you know, working with the WWE to try to get some guests, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and, and still with COVID, you know, the biggest disappointment, um, I think, has to be with Trish Stratus. And just the impossibility of getting her in from Canada, her and her husband, fortunately, are very healthy individuals, so they haven't been able to get vaccinated yet. But she sure, you know, put us over on social media. She wants to come in 2022. So um, as far as I know, she will be there in 2022 to accept her award. Yeah. Um, You know, Mark Henry's been fantastic to work with. Just just a wonderful gentleman. Um, Ken Shamrock, we've worked a lot with him through his agent. Um, and it just seems like the roster has been kind of fluctuating lately. Like sure, last year, Tony Atlas was in and then uh, he's out because of COVID and trying. And now this last week, Tony Atlas is in again. The, um, <laughs> the gentleman who's spot, kind of sponsoring and helping us connect with him. His name is Herb Simmons. He used to promote with Larry Matisik, um in the oh, cool. in Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling. Um you know, Herb has helped connect the dots with Tony Atlas and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton and um, Wyndham and Rotundo, who I'm very excited about. You know, yeah, you can be sure we're going to be showing Mike Rotundo, Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Wyndham, and his trainer, the Destroyer. Show yeah. him those cards and see what we can do. Um, and you know, we have Colt Cabana coming in, Heather Monroe, who's big on the Indies and is originally from from Iowa. Um, so Gosh, I didn't know that I've met yeah. her before too. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's from, I think Des Moines and okay. she's excited, you know, Des Moines to Waterloo is a couple hours, but she's excited. I think she's going to have some family come up to the show. Nice. Um, Miranda Gordy's going to be there. And then some folks are actually staying for a couple days because we're running a show then on Sunday afternoon in Des Moines. So Miranda oh, Gordy's coming to that show. Um, referee James Beard, who's a good friend of ours is he's going to hang out with us until Sunday. Um, Wes Briscoe is going to, you know, wrestle on Friday, be there the whole weekend. Then he's going to come with us to Des Moines and, and wrestle on the show. And, you know, there might be a couple others. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter is coming. Um, you know, unfortunately, with what happened with Don Kernodal. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot, though, to his, his brother, uh, Wally, who wrestled as Rocky Kernodal or uh, also as Keith Larson. Um, we're trying to get him there to accept on his brother's behalf. Yeah. Um, you know, Sheik Adnan El Casey has had some <laughs> issues with his family lately. You know, his son passed away about a week ago. So, mm. um, you know, I, I probably right now he's not going to be able to attend, you know, but yeah. we're, we're really trying to focus on, man, there's 20, 25 people who are coming that are going to be awesome that you're not normally going to see in, in central Iowa. And some of them aren't even really in the Midwest, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think because hasn't Heather Monroe been uh, working a lot in Texas recently? I think. And, yeah, and I yeah. think she's based out of Florida. Maybe. Okay. I don't. I don't. You know. I don't want to give away where we're flying people in and out of. But, right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, Thunderbolt Patterson's going to be there. Rick McCord. Rock. Uh, Rock Riddle is coming. Nice. Um, so I will get updated. I'll try to do that this week. I, I told people I've been meaning to do this. I will get pu- updated on the Phil Singer Games website. Here's who you, whose cards you need to bring because they're coming. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Baron Von Raschke, you know, that, that one, there was, he had some family commitments that weekend, but we got those cleared up. So we're super excited to get him there. So that's um, fantastic. And, and for folks who can't make it, um, we're going to work out through the auction for Galacticon. I hope, you know, Todd's not here, so he can't stop me from talking. Um, <laughs> I'll, we'll put up there a, a signed Jerry Briscoe card and a signed Baron Von Raschke. So the winning person, you tell me what you want it signed to, what it made out to, and I'll get it signed the next weekend and I'll ship it to you. That's awesome. So we'll do that for T-Bolt. We'll do that for Jerry Briscoe. We'll do that for Baron Von Raschke. Um, and I'll look at the list and make, you know, see if there's anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so, so glad that I'm going to be able to attend. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned of course uh, on the podcast before that I'm you know a little bummed out that I won't be able to make it to Galacticon and that I, I was talking to Todd yesterday on the phone and I was just sort of like, you know, I tell myself sometimes, well, maybe I'll try and go. Yeah, I think maybe I could make it. Maybe I could make it. Even Todd was just like, there's, you've got enough going on. You know, it's at your daughter's birthdays a few days after. And then, you know, you're going to go to Waterloo and it's just like, you, you know, next year, Chicago, you'll be there. It'll be great. Um, but I've been so looking forward to, to the Hall of Fame in Waterloo. I, you know, I've not done a whole lot over the past year. Like, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've just chosen to just kind of say like, you know what? Situation is what it is. I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it. So I'm just going to stay inside and, you know, go out for some fresh air when I can, but I'm not going out to restaurants. I'm not going out to events. I'm not doing a whole lot of that. So this will just be really, really nice. And, and it dovetails perfectly where I'm I'm basically going to leave the hall of fame and then go straight into family vacation with my wife and and her family. So it'll be a nice extended, you know, 10 days or so where it's just relaxing and and enjoyable. Um, and definitely packing, packing my cards because I I love getting them signed. And, um, it's funny because for the longest time, the only cards I really had signed were either shimmer, shimmer cards because Mm -hmm. I used to go to shimmer shows all the time. Right. Uh, and then started getting some indie cards signed at like AAW shows, Mm -hmm. uh, but had no legends card signed. And mm-hmm. then uh, the first star cast for All In, you know, it was all of a sudden, here's Magnum TA, there's Tully Blanchard, there's Kevin Sullivan, there's, you know, which actually Kevin Sullivan's card was the uh, the Ring of Honor card. But still, right, you know, right. it's just like yeah. I'm getting all the, you know, all the all these uh, these legends now to, to sign cards. And so um, it's been it's been nice to have those. I look forward to adding adding a few more to, to the collection. Um, anything anything in particular that you're looking most forward to at the Hall of Fame? I mean, just be back with that family. You know, yeah. um, you know, anybody who's been to Galacticon a few times knows how that's a family. And even though I've been able to attend the past few years to, in person to Galacticon, um, uh, you know, that that's always a part of my family. And and this is, is a family as well. You know, I've been since 1999. This has been a, another wow. wrestling family for me is, is all the people there. And um, it is just like a family reunion. And that's incredible. If you've ever been to a, a star cast or a, a wrestle reunion or any of those events, and you know, Zeke's been to a lot of those. I think he could vouch for this. Um, this is like no other you're, you're yeah. going to be, you're going to be sitting at a table on Thursday night um, at the social. And you might be sitting, having some pizza right next to Jerry Briscoe, right, <laughs> right next to Thunderbolt, the accessibility. And you're just going to bump into him at the hotel at the hotel bar, at wherever, at breakfast. And I don't think there's anyone who can I that I can think of off the top of my head who is tend who's not just very gracious and grateful for the fans in attendance and welcoming. Um, you know, I, I got to meet Sir Oliver Humperdinck one time. He he came he came 
uh, one of the years, 2006 or so, I don't want to, you know, honestly, I don't, like if when we start talking about Galacticon, everything kind of blurs together for me. <laughs> but um, it was it was not too long before he passed away, and he was you know sitting at a table with our our good friend Jeff Sharkey, who's a great historian and former promoter in the Midwest. And he goes, "Come have a seat with us." He just motions, like I don't remember if Corey was there because Corey's attendance got to fluctuate. But Timmy and I have been there the whole time. <laughs> so Corey, if you were there, I apologize if you don't remember. Hey, come have a seat with us. So we sit at the banquet with him and, you know, oh, my name's Humperdinck. It's like, well, yes, sir, I know who you are, you know. <laughs> um, you know, but that was just an, uh, you know, it, it's just great times like that. And the outpouring of support from the Phil Singer Games community has been fantastic. I would say now we probably have, I would say at least a good dozen to 15, you know, off the, I haven't been really been keeping track, but I know we have about 12 to 15 promoters coming. That's fantastic. So it, you know, obviously go to Galacticon and support it if you can. But hey, if not, if you're in the Midwest, you need to come check us out because this yeah. is going to be a blast. Right now, the tickets are at $130, but I do have authority to make this decision. Anybody who comes, you know, through Phil Singer Games wants to attend, I'll give you the pre-sale early bird price of $105. So Amazing. message me on the board or... um uh, I'll, I'll hook you up or I'll give my email address for the, through the hall of fame later. Um, but we, we want to thank you so much. And, you know, like I mentioned on uncharted territory this week, um, Troy and Todd and I had a, about a 45 minute discussion on Monday night and, you know, Troy and Todd had never interacted and they're both excited about um, helping each other out, you know, so next year um, with, the Hall of Fame and Galacticon probably being, you know, the same or not the same. Galacticon in Chicago the first weekend, Hall of Fame the next weekend. You know, we're working on coordinating that, so there is that. Um, we'll offer some more discounts for anybody who attends the Galacticon and comes to the Hall of Fame in terms of ticket prices and stuff to make it worth your while. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you Chad's great. Uh, cross state adventure and, and give you all good places of interest. If you want a you know, road trip from Chicago to Galacticon, I know folks are talking about going to different cities for baseball games and stuff. Uh, you know, Sam can see behind me. I got some mini baseball bats. What he can't yeah. see is over to the right. I have three more racks of those. So oh, wow. I, I collect mini bats from every stadium that I go to. Um, nice. So I'll, I'll hook you up. If you want to see Northwoods wood bat league, if you want to see, you know, single a games, um, we'll get you there, get you in the right direction and just have a great weekend with baseball and professional wrestling, whatever you want. I mean, what else could be better? I was going to say, there's really not much that's better than that as far as nope. I'm concerned. No, nope. I mean, uh, a few years ago, I went up to Beloit, uh, Wisconsin and I saw, um, oh geez, Prince Fielder. Wow. Versus Fernando Valenzuela Jr. Wow. And we know where one went, not sure where the other guy went, right? <laughs> and it Man. was it was single A ball. I mean, I'm twenty feet away from him. Ah, oh, that's great. That's so, so cool. Uh, yeah, I've uh, you know sort of a non sequitur, but I've been uh, recently uh, just because it's like comfort food. You know, I've seen it the whole thing five or six times. I've been rewatching Kim Burns' baseball documentary. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and like those early episodes in particular, those first like four or five episodes are just 
just kind of magical, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and some of the stuff that, uh, that, that they dig up. And, uh, you know, obviously the funny thing is, is now looking back, there's some things that, you know, that are in the documentary that we know now probably aren't, are you know, 100% fact, but it's no. still just presented in, in, in that magical way that, that he has. And uh, I love that documentary. I, I, I wish that there could be a documentary like that about professional wrestling, you know? Yeah. An honest one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Not, not yeah. one where the, you know, the winners dictate the facts. Um, so, Hey, I want to throw, you know, you kind of mentioned wrestling and history. Um, if anyone yeah. saw the Andre, the giant uh, special, the hidden treasures a cup, or was that just this last week? I think. Um, so one of the vi- gentlemen, they, vi- they visited Chris Owens out of Illinois. He comes to the hall of fame every year. He's a great guy. So, I mean, if you want to talk to somebody about Andre, the giant, I'll hook you up. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, I, it's, it's funny because uh, one of the people that I was able to chat with quite a bit uh, due to the Shimmer Shows was Pat LaProd. And of course, oh, yeah. that book on, on Andre and yep. uh, uh, had a wonderful conversation where pretty much all we did was talk about Andre. You know, there were other things that we were, you know, we kind of had that we were going to talk about, but I was just fascinated with some of the stories that, you know, he had to tell. So uh, I'm, I'm always up for some good Andre stories, you know, yep. um, especially about his early days, because right. there's so much, of course, that gets made of, you know, uh, the, the sort of the early 80s period and the beer drinking and, you know, and all the kind Kind of like spectacle of him but it's so easy to forget that like in in the early days the spectacle about him wasn't the size and the presence and the you know the astounding feats of drinking prowess the right. the, the spectacle was that there was this guy who was this huge who was throwing drop kicks and you, you know doing like you know just wonderful amateur wrestling skills and, and stuff like that so i i always i always love hearing uh stories about his early days um but you, you mentioned Galacticon, and I, I, you know, I want to talk to you about a couple other things. I could talk to you forever, but but you know, with with respect to your time and the time of the listeners, uh, I, I, I want to obviously ask you some stuff about Galacticon uh, since we're on the road to Galacticon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, of course, were at the very first Galacticon, so mm-hmm. I would love to just hear some of your memories about that very first one. You know what what got you there? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know where uh, where you were kind of in your in your fandom. I mean, obviously, you had already been a part of the community for a few years already at that point pretty much since the you know the game began um so i'm just kind of curious like where you were what got you there and what your experience was at that first that first con yeah i mean mark ashby in the super report that's what got me there you know I mean, <laughs> nice. mark sat setting that all up and in the the episode of uncharted territory that we did this week we looked back at the january february 89 and there's already rumblings about a, a convention Tom just moved to Jamestown and Tom said maybe he could help with the convention. And, but originally in, in the article, it says it might be in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> so, you know, that was January of 89. The first Galacticon didn't take place until um, July of 90 um, or maybe June. I don't remember. I told Todd the other day, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked it up in the super report. Yeah, I have some notes somewhere here that yeah, I used right. to see the other day, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the summer of 1990 and, and what, what kind of got me, it's weird. So I, you know, I grew up in Iowa, graduated from high school there in 1991, but in, in the spring summer of 1990, my dad got offered a promotion within his company to ohio so well so they were you know my parents were kind of talking about that and i said well 
How about could we go out to New York for this? Because so they wanted to drive out to Ohio, see the schools, look for houses, kind of that thing. And it, my my parents are very blessed. My dad moved out to Ohio then in like August 1990, and um, Corey and my mom and I stayed in Iowa so I could finish high school at, with, oh, wow. with my class. Really cool. So yeah, and he would come home every two weeks, you know. And it, I mean, it was it was tough, you know. Yeah. Just, but um, so I'm very thankful for that. So. You know, they called, this is so funny. People, people who, you know, have only been around since the internet are going to think this is ridiculous. <laughs> they had a membership, I think through like AAA or something. And he called this number. So then we got this packet in the mail of like detailed map directions of how to get from Iowa, <laughs> go through Ohio and then up to Jamestown, New York. And, you know, so it was, it was like a Google map printout that like came in this little paper binder thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we we trekked out there and stopped in Ohio, looked around, you know, for a couple of days, went up to Jamestown. And then afterwards, um, crossed the border, went to Niagara Falls, stayed there, you know, did both sides of Falls. And then we were going to go through Canada and then back into uh, through Windsor and into Detroit. But Corey got really sick and... Mm-hmm. Um, like my mom and dad, like, oh, well, we'll stay in the U.S. because we're not sure how our insurance would work, and so I'm getting sick in the middle of Canada. Sure. <laughs> so, so, anyways, um, so that that was our trip back. But that it was like a family vacation scouting mission for this move. That's why I conned my parents when I was 16 years old to take me to Jamestown, New York, which was a 16 hour drive from where we lived. Oh man, um, you know, because back then the interstates were 65. Still, they weren't. I don't even know if they're 65. Holy cow. Uh, I mean, I know, I know there's some stretches now that are 70. They definitely were not yeah. 70. They might not have been 65, but that was our, that was our journey. We got in the, my parents had like a, one of those conversion vans, like in the sure. floor, there was a cooler and there was also a TV and VCR. Oh, so yeah. Corey and I can watch, I'm sure we will, all we did was watch wrestling and drove my parents crazy <laughs> the whole way out there and uh, got there on I'm sure we pulled in on Friday night, stayed at the Holiday Inn, and then on Saturday morning, this was my recollection. I looked in the super report, and it kind of confirms it. Pretty sure I was the first person to get there to the Sheldon House um, because it says that Chad Olson and Paul Barnes and uh, Dave Thompson got there about the same time. But, yeah, so we walk up to this, you know, this mansion that the Sheldon House was, knock on the door, and Mark and Bob Ashby answer the door. And this is so screwy. Like, think about this. My parents are like, okay, well, we'll see you later. They just left me. I mean, they just leave me. Yeah. You know, yeah. what kind of cult could have been going on there? <laughs> a cult of nerds. <laughs> they serve a different kind of Kool-Aid here. Right, exactly. But, yeah, that was, that was, that's what was going on. And it was really quiet. And, you know, people were showing up. And I remember um, Mike and, and Rob from Canada came in and, you know, Tim and Steve Minskoff got there and Dave Fisher. Because I really think there was only Kirk Campbell. I, I think there was only about 15 to 18 people at the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I could look it up, but I'm too lazy. And um, we're just everyone's kind of saying, oh, who's your chance? You know, making small talk. Yeah. And then Myron Coleman comes in and he had flown there. Um, 
And I, I never had the pleasure of going to the Jamestown airport because I value my life too much. I can't imagine <laughs> what size. And I mean, I flew on a plane from once from Des Moines to Chicago as a nine seater. And this is pre nine 11, but you know, there's no, there's no flight attendant. There's also no loudspeaker. Like we take off and the co-pilot just sticks his head through the curtain and he yells, put your seatbelts on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this $99 flight might have been good. So it's probably comparable to what got Myron from Chicago to Jamestown. Um, and I think his flight was delayed and he just busts through the doors like, let there be light. <laughs> and I mean, he just kind of broke the ice. And when we get to that super report, which will probably be in about, I don't know, a year or so, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But he, he had some big match planned out. And then, um, you know, Steve had Akuma and shared that with us. We walked over to Tom's house um, because he used to live just kind of around the block from the Sheldon house. Mm-hmm. Um, walked over there for dinner, had a picnic and, you know, visited and stuff. And he showed some folks um, like his Federation headquarters up, you know, his office up in the attic or whatever. Cause this was before all his kids were born. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I got to go up there and see that. And, you know, he had, he had like comic book stuff out there. That was exciting. And I'm sure we did a bunch of tournaments Um I do. I do remember the Q and A with Tom because um, War Games twenty ninety one had just come out, and I think somewhere in the Google Drive of stuff, I put out my like the sheet from that. And it has my notes on it, you know. And he talked about things like getting a prelim wrestler. Yeah, it turned out to be Ursa Major. Yeah, uh, he talked about in, in the thing in his his write up. You know, he typed out some things. Talked about bringing in Santu Debrini from Marks history the the president and turned out to be commissioner carter um he talked about pit viper unmasking and you know for some reason this is so weird i never thought pit viper was asian Mm. so i was picturing like a bob backland amateur wrestling type guy (laughs) and then he's drag a match like oh i really miss that one you know (laughs) um and i'm trying to think what else was on but you know just some of that stuff and you know steve talked about akuma and I, I definitely remember Tim at that first one, you know, so war games, 2091 had just come out. So spike had bumped up to the plus four mega destroyer. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tim talking about, you know, is there going to be an arms race with finishers and everything? And it's like, <laughs> now it's like, Holy crap. Plus four is nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it was just a good time hanging out with folks. And then the next day, and again, this would never happen now. Tim gave myself and Paul Barnes and Dave Thompson a ride from the hotel, you know, and we joke about that. It's like, you know, this this weird, you know, we're we're 16 and he's 26 and, oh, we'll just give your boys a ride, you know. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, Amber Alerts would be blowing up, you know. Right. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to joke about Amber Alert, but. Um, no, no. But, just but I, just I, the I absurdity. Yeah, because Tim, you know, Tim came out for the 20th anniversary, and that was the weekend of Mother's Day. And um, we were just joking because my parents came over and stuff, and and Tim was still there on Sunday. And it's like, how crazy it was. They just let it happen. And my mom did like, that ah, turned out okay. We <laughs> were pretty nonchalant. Oh, um, man. And then, you know, in subsequent years, it was just this – even though most of us hadn't really kept in touch or if we did, it was just through letters, you know, um, you know, pre-internet, pre-email, 
right. maybe long distance phone calls. Um, that second year, it's like, we all just hit the ground running again, you know, nice. and there, there are some new folks. Um, the third year, I actually missed the third year. I couldn't make it because I was taking um, some summer classes and, and couldn't make it. That, that sucked. I was really, mm. really depressed about that. Um, but that's the year the Draconian Sheik and, and Johnny Rocket cards came out and Tom gave them away at the convention. So, uh, you know, with Tom's permission, Tim snagged a pair, a set of those for me and, and sent them to me. Nice. Um, and then. Did he happen to snag an extra pair that he could send me? Cause uh, I, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, I'll, I'll look, I, I am a, I am a pack rat and I do may have some things in the vault. I'll see what I can do. Um, but then, so I was able to go back the fourth year. That was the first year I remember winning a tournament. We did a tag team tournament. I won the, the Greek gods. They're my favorite tag team. Nice. Um, and just along the way, you know, friendships were forged. Like that second year was when Tim started bringing some Japanese tapes and started yeah. the night of matches. There was like, you know, 15, 20 of us crammed into his hotel room and we were watching a match with Jushin Liger and, um, Naoki Sano on opposite sides. It's when they were doing their feud over the junior heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who their partner, Zuka might've been somebody's partner. And whoever was Liger's partner goes and just does, you know, basic dive through the ropes and Sano moves and the guy guillotines himself on the guardrail. Everybody's like, wow, losing their minds. <laughs> and we're like, rewind it. So, and Every time, and Tim talked about this, like every time we just kept losing our minds over and over. And then all of a sudden the phone, rings, you know, <laughs> oh, and no. we're getting called on. So then in subsequent years, we tried to move it to like a conference room. Um, the Comfort Inn opened up in Jamestown and they had cheaper hotel rooms. So most of us being cheap, or not money, you know, college <laughs> students, teenagers, or young adults, whatever you want to call us moved over there they had a good conference room that we used for night of the matches for a few years and then they i think they turned it into a bar which was laughable because i don't know why anybody would drink in a comfort inn (laughs) so then we had to move it back into the room and then eventually we started doing it at the sheldon house so that was a lot of fun too to you know just and tim and i would try to get whatever unique and strange matches we could for folks i was really into fmw wing at the time so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i introduced them to the barbour baseball bat match where matsunaga gets his head lit on fire by mr pogo uh, yeah um the exploding pool match um i mean and now it's like like i liked that stuff then but now sure. it, it was just like an, a whole card of that and that was the thing fmw and wing it wasn't all that they built it up and crescendoed too. But if it was just that from bell to bell, I'd be like, no, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny too, because like, uh, you know, with the benefit of IWTV, I've been trying mm-hmm. to check out a bunch of different promotions and it's so strange because watching some of the deathmatch promotions, I just can't really get into it because it's exactly what you said. It's like just everything is a death match. And, right. and I, you know, and I, I think that the novelty of it, especially like when we were, when we were younger, um, is that we'd never seen anything like that before. Right. And so it didn't really matter how they got there. It mattered that they were doing it and it was just right. crazy. It's like, Oh my God, you know, it's like, this is insane stuff. And now I, 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 I'll still watch that, but I, mm-hmm. I do want to know the build beforehand. I want to know how they got there. Right. I want to know why in the world they're going to put themselves through this. 
for right. this particular Absolutely. match. And it was interesting because one of the things that I noticed about some of the independent shows um, during WrestleMania weekend uh, is that they were able to, and part of this is, you know, do the commentators, but it's also the, the in-ring talent, is that they were able to have some of these matches that didn't really necessarily have a build to them. But the build was the idea that this young wrestler is going to put himself through all of these matches over the course of these four days. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, how is he going to get through these matches? Because here he's in this, you know, pit fight cage match or whatever in this match. And now he's Mm -hmm. in this, you know, light bulb death match. And, you know, and now he's in just a straight wrestling match. And it's like, how can he possibly survive all this? And so they were able to kind of tell some unique, I I felt like stories with that. But for the most part, yeah, if I'm going to, if I'm going to see some sort of exploding ring, barbed wire, landmine, double hellfire, death Mm -hmm. match, you know, whatever. uh, uh, Yeah. I want there to be, I want there to be a little story behind it. And I'd also like a breather. I don't want that to be all I see for, you know, two and a half hours. Um, which if, you know, if you told that to like 17 year old me, he'd probably look at you and be like, what are you talking about? Right. Give me six hours of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. my Onita, my Onita deathmatch comp tape was like eight hours long, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And now I find it like any, I find it hard to watch any comp tapes. Cause like, I just don't want to watch the same person over and over. Even, sure. you know, even my Jushin Liger, my best of the Steiners, which I still have on VHS, you know, and I I still have a working VCR that I'm looking at right now over here. Uh, I don't want to watch. I I want some, you just want different things on the menu, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it it is interesting to think that like one of the things that I have a lot of fun with when, uh, you know, playing the game is trying to come up with cards that are going to be unique. And I feel like I'm a lot more successful with that with my legends, fed than mm-hmm. i am with any of my others to be honest with you mm-hmm. um you know that not that like with, with my gwf there's definitely been some uh some variety there how can there not be but um sometimes with the indie stuff it is hard to kind of uh i, I feel like put together well because you mentioned something earlier uh about like what tim said about power creep like with mm-hmm. the, you know the the arms race with the the finishes and stuff like that one of the things that i've really appreciated about the the legends cards is i don't feel as though there's been that that has not necessarily seemed to have been an issue that the right. guys that are powerful are powerful because they should be and it's not a case of well, you know, we made this guy powerful in this set, but this guy should definitely be ranked above him. It feels like from the get-go, you guys have had pretty good guidelines for that. So I am kind of curious, like, is that something you were very conscious of from the beginning? Yeah, That you wanted, like, the the main eventers to be main eventers and not have to have somebody come in and all of a sudden be like, oh, crap, well, you know, we made this guy too strong and Luthez has got to be stronger than him. Right. Yeah, we absolutely did. When we we started... Um, doing the black, first black and white set, when we were laying out the guys, it's like, okay, who's an A, who's a B, who's a C? Um, there might have been one or two Ds. Not really, not really with that first set. Um, yeah. You know, so like, we'll we'll talk about the B-plus guys who were like a, a Morocco or a Snuka who weren't world champions, but they were really top-notch main eventers, you know? Um, and, and obviously like Bachwinkle and Race and Baba, I mean, you know, yeah. in a, in a, in a, obviously I think Baba was underpowered because it's not a game based in Japan. Sure. Now, if you think about it, giant Baba in that first set should probably be the toughest guy in the game. Sure. You know, right. but that, you know, and, and we got him as close as we could, but it's like, well, giant, probably the most people who are going to buy this game aren't going to appreciate that or 
you know, want, want some equity, you know? Right. So, right. yeah, we structured, you know, Bachwinkle race, Buddy Rogers, Baba, kind of all in that same upper echelon and then kind of filled in the rest of the guys because, you know, we didn't know if we'd ever make another set, but we wanted to make sure if we did, guys could slot in there. Whereas, you know, with Champions of the Galaxy, the game has evolved and it's, it is going through the life and history of this fed. So the mechanics have evolved and all those things, you know, you can see that, that power creep, but I still think our, the legends will stand up and be competitive with some of the other cards. Oh, for sure. Even exist today. You know, there's a big contribution. I don't know, 10 years ago when Steve, Dr. Death Williams pinned monolith at a tournament in Galactica. I don't even know if I was there, but I just (laughs) remember hearing about him like, well, it could happen. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I there's no reason why why it couldn't or shouldn't for that matter. I, I, I think it is interesting because you're right. Like I, I wouldn't fault like Tom and and the Champions of the Galaxy line for any kind of power creep whatsoever because it does make sense in terms of the fact like when you start out here like just the natural growth and evolution like there's going to be changes mm-hmm. uh, um throughout the course of that and mm-hmm. and and you know and certainly like when the legends stuff started you kind of had the benefit of like 15 years of of you know cotg coming before that to kind of right. like build off of that as far as like stats makers went and so i think it makes a lot of sense but i just think that you know honestly you guys have done a wonderful job of keeping it that way because it, it doesn't you know there never comes a guy where you just think to yourself oh great now you know now he's so strong that it nullifies, you know, the championship brain that I had with Bachwinkle or, or, or yeah. whoever. Um, so I've just, I've always appreciated that. And I think that one of the things that, you know, with this, um, cause you mentioned Morocco, for instance, we, we could have mentioned this earlier, but like with Backland, like you want a Morocco card to be competitive with Backland. You don't necessarily want it to Absolutely. beat Backland, but you certainly want it to be competitive. So it's, I, I love, I love that ranking system, just being able to kind of like have an idea of exactly where you want guys to sit uh, so that they can have those competitive, realistic matches with the guys that might be, you know, a notch or two above them, but they're not going to just get walked over. I mean, I hope we would have been smart enough to realize back then if we did not have like Buddy Rogers, Harley Race, Baba, Bachwinkle, if, and I'm I'm using air quotes, if all <laughs> we had was Jimmy Snook and Morocco, they might have been the toughest guys in that set, but I hope we wouldn't have been dumb enough to make them the toughest guys ever, sure. you know, because right. we would be hopeful we could get a, a Nick Bachwinkle or a Harley Race or somebody down the line and yeah you know like that's a great point with morocco hopefully in your promotion it, it you know he can win the world title from backland but probably nine times out of ten he's not and he shouldn't and that's again you know this is the problem with a pro wrestling game we're basing <laughs> a game off of a predetermined worked sport right versus stratomatic where you can base it off baseball statistics yeah. And and we're booking basing it off the whim of a promoter. Right, right. Which is one of the things too, one of the challenges I imagine, like because I think Zeke does a really good job as well of not having, you know, uh, too many guys that are too powerful or, mm-hmm. or or you know, a guy where it's gotta come in and oh now I've got to top this guy. Right. Um, you know, if anything, sometimes I wonder you know, through no fault of his own, if there's too much parity with, with the Indies guys Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's, it's a case of just sort of like, but part of the problem is, is it's also like, well, you're trying to capture somebody who might be booked differently in 
you know, a Texas promotion than he is in a Maryland promotion or, a, you know, Florida promotion or whatever. Right. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's difficulty uh, there, which is, I, you know, it's one of the things I love talking about, like the nuances uh, of this aspect of the game. And, you know, I had a great conversation with Rob a couple of weeks ago about some of that stuff with his FTR cards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say, especially to kind of reinforce your point about the indie scene, um, you know, having, you know, I help book an indie promotion, right? Yeah, right, um, right. Most most wrestlers get that if they're a big star in Chicago, if they're going to come to Iowa and wrestle one of our Iowa guys, they may lose because our guy's the big star. And and right. I I can't think of anybody who's ever said, "Well, I can't lose." Right, right. I, I can think of a few national names, former <laughs> guys. <laughs> Who we've had to do some screwball stuff with, and I'm I'm not going to point fingers or name names, of course, um, of course. But so that that could be why Zeke, you know, and I don't think the parody is a problem, you know. No, it's I just don't either, like actually. because guys are just booked so well, and different promoters use different guys differently, you know. And um, but you know, you can even see that historically within wrestling. You know, I think the the biggest case that I've learned of over the few last few years is. Pedro Morales, he goes from, you know, he's he's WWF champion, or triple WF, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a good run in the AWA, and I might have those flipped around. But he goes to Crockett, and he's like an opening match guy. Yeah. And that's so weird. You know, because most times, like, a guy like a Bob Backlund or a Morocco, they can be in Florida, or, you know, Backlund has his excursions in St. Louis, and their main eventers pretty much anywhere. And right. then, then you have some guys or like a, a guy like Buddy Rose, you know, a legend of Pacific Northwest. He comes yeah. to Madison, Madison Square Garden. He's a one and done with Backlund. It's an excellent match, but he just wasn't that type of wrestler that got over in that market. So, you know, statting a guy like him is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, it's one of the things like, well, you know, we were talking about, um, we've, we've mentioned this guy before as an example. I think, uh, Tim and I had a conversation at one of the cons about this, but like, you've got somebody like Jackie Fargo who yeah. in Memphis is untouchable. Right. But other places, you know, he was certainly not, you know, like a curtain jerker, but at the right. same time he wasn't untouchable. So it's kind of like, well, what do you do with a guy like that? Because you want him to be, you know, competitive certainly with just about anybody he steps in the ring with, but you also recognize that he wasn't, you know, nationally speaking, he wasn't on the same level as, as like a Bob Backlund, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or, or Jack Briscoe. Uh, and, and I, 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 that's always one of the interesting things to me is kind of thinking about the fact that, you know, you do have a, uh, especially because we have such a, a varied fan base within the game community, uh, uh, not, not, you know, fans of the game, but fans of where they come from territory wise. So, right. you know, right. it's like in their territory, it's like, well, this guy never got beaten my territory, but, well, yeah, but you know, in my territory, he was a mid carter at best. Right. So, absolutely. It, yeah. So it, it's a uh, uh, it's an interesting balance to strike for sure. Um, you know, I'm curious. You know, we, we was talking about somebody like Bob Backlund. Uh, we spoke before, um, I, and and now as I'm saying this, I don't know if it was on the record or if it was just a conversation that we had. You know, <laughs> once we stopped hitting record, but we talked about uh, his autobiography, um, yeah, American Boy, which I have unfortunately not yet read. I, I I bought it, but I haven't actually had a chance to read it yet. Although now I've got the perfect perfect impetus to right. Um, 
And I, I'm curious uh, what else is on your bookshelf these days or, or what you may, I know we both recently pre-ordered a book. Yes, we uh, did. Uh, and I'm very looking forward to that, but uh, what else is on your, on your, on your bookshelf? We'll talk about that one in a second. You know, I had a feeling you were going to ask me that because you usually <laughs> turn the book. So I'm just going to turn around and take a peek. So I did, um, I did a trade with Mark James, who's actually being honored yeah, at the Hall of Fame this year. Very happy for him. He um he put out on Facebook, and I've been Facebook friends with him for a while because he's just a big fan of his work. He said, "Does anybody have a Super Clash Three program?" And I'm like, "Well, I do because <laughs> I went to a AWA house show after Super Clash Three, and I got like a Super Clash Three program, and I have this. I still have it somewhere." It's a suit, the T-shirt, and it's Carrie Von Erich and Lawler standing next to each other holding their belts. Oh, man. And I said, well, I have some. I, you know, I, are you looking to just get a scan? Would you need this for a book or something? No, I, I'd like to get one. I'm like, okay, well, well, let me think about it. And he goes, well, and I don't think he'd get mad if I said, he goes, I'll give you $100 in my books. Mike, that's awesome. I'm like, here, let me scan this and then I'm sending it to you. <laughs> so I got quite a few from him. I got um, the the Atlanta book. Um, I got the Florida 77 to 85 book. Ooh, I don't have that one. Um, I got the Jerry Jarrett Best of Times books, his yes. kind of biography, which I haven't that's read that great, yet. It's a great one. Is it? Yeah. Like, oh, and then the cool one I got. I don't think I, I think. No, I missed it. Hang on. This professional wrestling ratings, 73 to 86. Ooh, nice. So they go through all the magazines at the time and kind of create a territory by territory top 10 for each month. Wow. It is freaking cool. Yeah, so, that's amazing. So AWA 1984, Jan- you know, champion Nick Bachman will in January, April 84, Jumbo Saruta. And it, <laughs> so it does like the big three. It does um, the most popular, most hated. It does tag teams. And then is that it? I think that might just be it. Yeah. AW, but it, it's really cool. It's a fun oh, one nice. just to kind of flip through. Um, I got the Chronicles of Mad Maxine. Ooh, okay. And I had re- heard about that on Breaking Kayfabe with Bowden and Barry, mm-hmm. um, one of the Arcadian Vanguard ones. And she was a guest on there. And I bought the book and I, I messaged her on Facebook. I'm like, hey, what about this game? You know, and she's let me think about it. So that kind of haven't made a lot of headway there, but I, yeah. I did think it, they said it was a really good book. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, oh, and I got um, James Beard book, The Third oh, okay. Man. Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard really good things about it. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I haven't read it, but I've heard good things. I, I need to finish it before the hall of fame so I can give him a report. Uh, <laughs> Cause we brought, so we brought, I, I think I mentioned this on one of our shows, but our friend, James Jeffries, who's um, an IPW wrestler got yeah. married last September with the bachelor party in August. Um, and we flew and like James Jeffries loves the Von Ericks. He's he's only 30 years old, but he's a total 80s wrestling guy. He just watched all these old tapes. He loves the Von Erichs. And he's met James Beard at CEC, and he, he's come out. James Beard has come up to the Hall of Fame a couple of times. So we flew in James Beard as a surprise for James Jeffries' 
Oh man, that's so cool. Bachelor party. And I said, Hey, do you have any copies of your book? Could you bring one? I'll be okay. And you know, he, he gave me the book. I didn't have to pay for it. And he made, put a nice, you know, inscription in and stuff. I'm like, Oh he, I mean, he's such a cool guy. So that's awesome. But, and I'm still the, the legends and icons. Um, yeah. The Southern California one. I mean, that was invaluable helping with um, the, uh, the vintage set. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And I mean, reading about the history then, it it's like, man, there's a lot of great guys I want to sign or, yeah. or just look into, and not to be grim, but see when their rights may have passed on that we could, you know, if we can't find some, you know, find a relative, could we use them as public domain? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Al Rock Rim is one I'm looking forward to. He's he's fantastic. He is. He's incredible. And and it's funny because sitting right next to me is uh, when it was big time. Oh yeah, uh, yep. which is uh, his his Northern California book, and yep. uh, it's kind of apropos because the book we were both talking about pre-ordering is his Roy Shire bi- biography yep. um, that uh, he just uh, announced a couple weeks ago. Not even I think it was only like a week ago or so. It was last yeah. week because I was traveling for work, and you you met. Hey Chad, did you see this? I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. So thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I went, you know, I went all in because uh, I not only did I pre-order the book, but he also had a, uh, a DVD set, seven disc, or I think it's eight disc uh, mm-hmm. DVD set of uh, footage from uh, Northern California. And I'm really looking forward to that because I've seen so little yeah. uh, California footage, honestly. And you know, the opportunity to take a look at like you know some early Piper stuff and 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 and, and Patterson and Stevens and you know and just mm-hmm. kind of really, really you know look at their career and, and see stuff that's not. You know, with all due respect, obviously, AWA or WWF or, you know, other promotions, Georgia Championship. Uh, I've seen a lot of Piper stuff from Georgia. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's just such a gifted writer, honestly. And, and, and that's, you know, this is not a knock because there are a lot of wonderful writers and, and, and the work that they do just in bringing this history, you know, to the page so that, you know, guys like us can can devour it. Uh, but but rock is kind of at another level. And I think that, that he, he has such an artistic flair and he's so creative and so passionate and it comes through in his writing. And it's just some of the most well-written stuff that I've ever read when it comes to, you know, wrestling. So uh, I, I'm a fan. I think he's fantastic. I loved that he was on the, uh, the A&D Piper biography. Um, mm-hmm. He had some, some on-screen time there. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And of course now he's going from the Shire biography to working on a Ray Stevens biography, yep. which I mean, I'm already sold, you know, I know. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Now, did you get the, the photo book that he helped that guy put out? I haven't got that yet either, but I, it's sold out pretty quick. I might have to look into that one too. He's uh, he, I think uh, just yesterday on Facebook, he said that he had another printing in yep. the pipeline, but I don't know if it's sold out or not. He said that there weren't many copies left and I thought right. about it, but I'm trying to be, you know, I, I want to no. save some money for Waterloo. Well, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Cause I, you know, I told Mark James, Hey, bring books. We'll give you a vendor table. So, um, right. So folks, if you're looking for the latest and greatest for Mark James, he'll, he'll probably have it there. Oh, he's got some great stuff too. It's funny because yeah. underneath the, when it was big time book, I have the, uh, the Houston wrestling program book, oh, which yep. I, I, I love, love that. It. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's one of my favorites. Just got some amazing, you know, photos and great results. And I love the write-ups. It's like, you know, it's reading, um, Larry Matisic's book where he talks about, you know, kind of having the opportunity to write the, the write-ups for the matches and the feuds mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and wanting it to be, you know, creative, wanting to be able to tell a story. Um, and I think that the Houston stuff does the same thing. So, um, 
I do that for our promotion. I write, I write the back, the, the little line. We have a lineup sheet on front and the back. We have a, you know, what's happening in IPW. Um, and I try, it's as much of an homage to PWI and that era as can be, you know, and it's like, I try not to use the same verbs and stuff and, and, yeah. you know, make it, you know, these guys have a grudge. These guys have a grudge. Well, they can't all have the same grudge. So how do I don't, I don't right. even, and it's fun, but I just, it's like going back to a simpler time when I write those up, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, honestly, some, I, some, not in some ways, in a lot of ways, I miss those days, you know, you go to the indie promotions and, and you don't get that. And I, and I feel like a lot of them would benefit from it quite, quite a bit. You know, I mean, these days, of course, with the internet, they probably don't see the need for it, but it would be really cool, especially just before, for a lot of the collectors, you know, I mean, people, mm-hmm. uh, so many of the collectible markets have taken off over the past year, probably due to the pandemic, but, um, being able to just put together, you know, uh, binders full of, of, of programs, yeah. and, you know, shows that you've been to, it's like, can't really do that I- anymore, but, um, well, I, I, Chad, I cannot thank you enough. This has been such a, such a wonderful time as usual. Um, y- you know, I, I think that, the addition of guys like Kurt Angle and Bob Backlund just, you know, continue to add to the great names that we already have. And it's been said, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but there have been a couple of people that I, that I know have said this recently that if it stopped today, like we would have such an amazing pool of talent to draw from for years, you know, years to come of just, you know, of all the cards that have already been released. Um, But to know that, you know, here we are and it's June, 2021. And we're talking about names like Bob Backlund, and Kurt Angle mm-hmm. and uh, so so the game continues to grow we, we continue to have amazing talent and uh, I'm sure they're going to be uh, pretty awesome I can't wait to see Angle's card I I, I imagine that it's going to be a, a pretty pretty good card in fact one of the yeah. guys I want to put him against is Vader I want to I want to have oh. a, I want to have a program with Angle and Vader <laughs> I mean he should be able to compete with Vader I mean we yeah we we tried to do some stuff with him that makes sense and really builds on what he does in a match from our perception and, and try to make it as accurate as possible. So um, I, I hope people like him. I mean, I think Werner did such a great job with the art and yeah. nailing kind of that angle stare, that intensity, yeah. you know, one of the three eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're certainly, I, I guess if I can just throw it and I'll, I'll say this on my podcast too. You know, there's going to be a lot of great people at the Hall of Fame who aren't signed. Please let Mike or Tim or myself handle that because I don't want 30 people bum rushing Ken Shamrock. Right. Um, we'll, you know, and I'm not going to bum rush Ken Shamrock. I'm going to try to have Jerry introduce me to Ken Shamrock and say, hey, and, you know, especially with a lot of the guys who have an amateur wrestling background like Ken. Or, um, you know, a guy like Mark Henry, who's been an Olympian and knows the name Dan Gable, that that opens a lot of doors. Yeah, I've spoken before about how overcome with emotion Scott Steiner, who you don't really expect to be in that sentence I just said of overcome with emotion. Right. How he was being at a museum named after Dan Gable and he was being inducted into it. And um, it was very, very touching you know, and, and Gable's like, yeah, I remember you. Cause in, you know, 1984, you wrestled us, you were wrestling for Michigan and blah, blah, blah. You beat our guy, but we still beat you. You know, Dan, <laughs> Dan Gable remembers every 
freaking wrestling meet he's ever been at. I'm very convinced. So um, <laughs> that's incredible. We'll let us work on the signings. That I guess yeah. that's what I say. I, like I said, I just don't want to pester anybody because that happens. And then people are like, Oh, that game, those guys suck. You know, those, yeah. they're, they're rude. They're inconsiderate. And I know none of our fans are going to be that way. But if, if 15 guys come up to you and ask you the same question about being in this game, that's going to put some people off. So right. let the legends team and, and Zeke and, and Mike, and, you know, let, let those folks handle it. Right. And we will right. try our best. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that was, uh, that's something that I'm always very sensitive to, to the point where like anytime I think that I'm going to be in the vicinity of someone, you know, I'll always send like a, a text message, uh, you know, yeah. to Todd or to Mike and just be like, Hey, you know, did, you know, what do you think? Should I, you know, just because it, yeah, it, it, there's a, there's an art to it, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and B yeah, you don't, you know, you don't want to have somebody that, has been pestered with the, the same question 20 times because let's face it, you know, there might be that one person out there that is flattered by that. And is like, well, God, everybody's asking me to do it. I might as well do it. But more right. often than not, <laughs> they're going to be yeah. like, oh, please, I don't want to hear another thing about it. I'm so sick of this. Yeah. Um, you know, something else real quick that I thought about, and it's funny because, you know, we talk about sometimes like black and white cards versus color cards and mm-hmm. mixing and matching and everything. But a guy that I would love to do a program with with, with Backland is uh, Inoki. Like the fact that we have mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, the black and white Inoki card, it would just be so cool to run the two of them together. Because, you know, some people are probably aware of this. Some people might not be because obviously WWF. And, and even when I was writing up the history for the teaser, I, I didn't put anything in about it. But uh Technically, his five-year reign was not five straight years. He right. actually did have a small, you know, about two-week interruption because he lost the belt to Inoki. And then um, and then Inoki, like, they did something in Japan where, like, he didn't accept the belt or something like that. And, and so it was declared vacant. And then they had a match with Backlund and, like, Bobby Duncan, I think. And, and Backlund, yeah, you know, did, yeah. They it, did it, a match where... They did a match, the rematch was like a week later and uh, Tiger Jeet Singh interfered and he was like Inoki's big rival. So then because of the controversy in that, they they held it up. So to save face, Inoki went to Madison Square Garden and defended his world martial arts title. I think maybe against the Iron Sheik and he might have been great great Hussein um, Arab then. Mm. And then, yeah, if you watch that match, Backlund and Duncan both come out. Backlund doesn't have the belt on, and he's not announced as the champion. So that was the whole way of, you know, uh, dealing with that. But yeah, if you there, Anoki and Backlund have some fantastic matches. As do, and I mean, he's not in the game, but I'm just gonna pitch this. Um, I've seen a couple of great matches with Backlund against Fujinami when, like, Fujinami oh, was yeah. the WWF Junior Heavyweight Champ, and um, you know they did. I think it's a half hour or hour draw and, or it goes a long time. I can't remember. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched the tape, but just the camera angle is really tight. And the guys, they're just pouring sweat mm-hmm. as they're working all these arm bars and just lots of mat wrestling and stuff. But, it's amazing yeah. the the effort that, you know, cause, cause obviously 
if you're if you're shooting like yeah that that takes a lot of effort and energy mm-hmm. um and you know get your heart rate up for sure but a lot of times you know when when they're working sometimes you know it'll, it'll slap yeah. it on a little soft or whatever but yeah, yeah I, I mean there were guys out there obviously and, and and you know Backlund was certainly one of them that when he worked a hold he worked a hold you know yeah and he did you know he did some worked shoots for um uh the uwf against like yep. uh nobuhiko takata and a yep. couple of other guys yep. so i mean he yeah he had a very interesting career because he did kind Kind of you know fall off the map a bit after he after he lost the title he, he did a little a little bit here and there you know but he greatly reduced his schedule until he you know came back to to wwf in the early 90s but um yeah what just what an incredible name and then obviously with kurt angle we're talking about you know two-time ncaa champ you know uh, olympic gold medalist uh world champion uh all amateur you know and then of course you get into his professional career and it, you know it took him what like two years and he basically held every single title that wwf had so right um, and, and you know right away those initial comparisons to jack briscoe were being made when, yeah. he, when he started wrestling so i'm super excited to have him square off against jack briscoe yeah. Well, the cool thing too about somebody like Angle is it's like he can he he'll fit the bill heel or babyface. Oh yeah. Like I, I'm sure some people will probably you know play with a heel you know backland or something like that. But I feel like you know, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going straight babyface. You know. Oh <laughs> yeah. Way. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have no desire to relive the Mister Backland years. So no. Uh, uh, folks are going to be disappointed uh, if they're expending that. You know the the eight second. Yep loss or any of that stuff that's that's not going to happen and when you bring up the Inoki thing you know Stu wrote the book he put in the two title reigns in the five years I said well what about the loss to Inoki and honestly yeah. I don't remember where we ended up on that but that'll probably be edited by the time you guys hear this and, and by the time you get it. I think we're probably going to take it out but we might have put in three title reigns. I can't remember yeah and I think maybe it was because it's like well we don't want to bring that up because Anoki was involved and he's not in the color sets, you know, and we, try not, we don't really look at color as a completely different line, even though they're fully compatible and you can mix right. and match them, but we just don't mention black and white guys in the color. Yeah. Um, when I got, yeah, when I got that directive, I was sort of like, oh, okay, I got it. Cause I remember yeah. like the first teaser I ever wrote, like, I was like, I was like, oh, well, you know, Buddy Rose or somebody, I think it was Buddy Rose actually. And I was like, I was writing about Buddy Rose and I was like, oh, okay, well, all right. I, I won't yeah. do that anymore. But, uh, well, we yeah. even did it in the initial studio that in the first color handbook, because we're, um, we're reprinting that an, mm-hmm. enough of the initial color sets. So there will, here's a bombshell. I don't think this has been mentioned. I haven't listened to roll up this week, so I apologize if this has been mentioned. <laughs> um, Buddy Rogers is going to have some different moves on his card. His card will look exactly the same, but some of the moves will be different. And that's based on Buddy Rogers book. Did you tell me that? I feel like somebody told me that before this, either that I'm just having a wicked case yeah. of deja vu. We did not mention that on the podcast, by the way. So, okay. so this is okay. an exclusive right here. <laughs> okay. So maybe Mike and Todd might've mentioned that because I just yeah. finalized that this week, or maybe when we talked a long time ago, I had been reading the Buddy Rogers book and I, I'm not sure where that copy is because I have that thing with all those, um, like the, the sticky flag things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I bought 10 of those in there. So the other night I'm pouring through that thing. It's like, he had some goofy name for the sleeper mm. and I couldn't remember it. So I'm like flipping through there and speed reading. And I finally, he called it the paralytic headlock. So his, his, his chokehold on level three, number two, that's covered with the choice G or H 
is going from a chokehold to the paralytic headlock. And then there's, there's a couple other moves bumping around. It's not changing the structure of his card at all, but, um, and then there's a, on Harley races, um, diving headbutt off the death jump. We just changed the wording a little bit because I think some folks were confused by, you know, what we thought was clear as a bell obviously is not. And, you know, th- that communication piece was lacking. So we cleared that up a little bit. Um, I don't think there's anybody else we made huge structural. Ch- there might be one person we've maybe changed a rating or something, but. So, so you're saying you made Brody even stronger. We did. We gave him, <laughs> we gave him a plus five. I, I saw today. I saw today on Facebook. Today would have been Bruiser Brody's 75th birthday. That's right. Yeah. Somebody somebody mentioned uh, it might have been no, it was Mrs. Goodish, Barbara Goodish. Mm. You'll get to meet her at the Hall of Fame. Oh, that'll she's, be that'll be fantastic. She's a super she's a super cool person. I it, it's so funny. My my phone unfortunately has died. Otherwise I would show you. I literally have his birthday like programmed in my phone. So <laughs> it came up. It came up because I oh. I have a deep abiding love for for Bruiser Brody. And well, uh you'll have to meet my friend Troy. He's a huge Bruiser Brody fan from his time in the AWA. I mean, I, I like Brody a lot, but you guys might be on top. And before <laughs> we close, Sam, you have got to read that Bob Backlund book. It is I will. fantastic. It it just timeline goes through every year of his career. Mm. It is I can't wait. Awesome. I, I like I said, I own it. I just I just haven't started it yet, so I will I'll put it on the on, on the top of my list. I there you go. About a third of a way through a book I've been uh, uh, reading the past couple of days, and once I finish that, I'll jump right in. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I again, I can't I cannot you know, say enough how much I always enjoy talking to you and, and, you know, talking about books and everything else yep. in between, but uh, this, this has been a great time. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, you know, I, obviously I'm sorry on one hand that we couldn't have you on the show with the group of, of, you know, first, you know, galactic yep. attendees, yep. but at the same time, selfishly, I'm really glad that you couldn't be there. Cause I'm really <laughs> glad to do this. Uh, before we go, uh, please tell everybody about uncharted territory. I, I listen yeah. every Friday. I, I, I love the latest episode. I love when you guys talk about like the super galactica reports and I, I, it just, it takes me back even though it was before my time in the game, but, uh, <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. So, so I can't, I can't recommend it enough. If you're listening to this, you're probably already listening to uncharted territory on the off chance that you aren't Chad Philemon. So yeah, Uncharted Territory is a uh, podcast done by myself, my brother Corey, Tim Dalton, and Stu Lowry. We are belovedly known as the Legends Team. Um, you know, we this just started as a podcast where I wanted to look at the whole timeline of Phil Singer games from a fan's perspective. You know, it's not official. We're not having breaking news or anything. And we're just, we started with the, the first um, Champs of the Galaxy set, and we're just moving along. And along the way now, we're um, dialed into the Club Galactica Super Reports, and we've been very blessed to have Mark Ashby, the editor and publisher of those, on. Um, you know, he's not involved with Phil Singer Games at all anymore, but he still gets on, and we kind of rehash those things. You know, and Mark and I, um, our birthdays are three days apart. So <laughs> we we grew up together with through this thing and through Galacticon and everything. So, you know, Mark's still a dear, dear friend, and it's it's good to have him on this most recent episode we did. We also had Matt Dickendesher on, and he's a longtime promoter and one of the original folks in the Club Galactica. Um, because in January of 89, I was the Federation fanatic of the month, and then Matt was in, in February. I'm like, well, we gotta have Matt on because he's a loyal listener, and that was a lot of fun to have him on as well. Uh, and yeah, we just look through 
look at things one product at a time. We talk about other sports gaming too. We'll talk about Stratomatic. Stu and Tim did a baseball opening season. Yeah, I'm really, really interested to know how they feel now that you know the season is basically halfway through. Like what their what their thoughts are. I I I, I want a little want a little uh, you know mid season report from yeah. them because. Uh, Things have not necessarily gone exactly the way that I think they thought they would go. <laughs> they haven't gone the way I thought they would go either. So. No, no. Mike went for last place. I didn't. I mean, I thought it could happen, but I didn't expect it. You know, you always have. I usually have good hopes until about three days in. I'm like, ah, oh, then I'm like, oh, I'll wait till football. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, after the first four Vikings game, I'm like, oh, baseball. <laughs> I was I was watching the Cubs game like right before we got started uh, talking and, you know, they were up a run. And then literally as soon as we started like recording, uh, 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 who were they playing? Oh, now the Marlins. The Marlins hit a grand slam home run. You know? <laughs> so, so last I saw it was like six to one. So we'll see what right. it's like when I get done. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a good time. We talk about other sports gaming. I think soon we're going to start talking about the superstar pro wrestling game, which was oh, my, nice. my first foray into really sports gaming. And um, maybe Tim's as well. He has a long history. You know, we tease him about his uh, dabbling with the professional bowling game. <laughs> but then we found out this week he'd been chatting with uh, Brian Vanderwall, who is a friend of mine from the club, who I used to watch pay-per-views with all the time here in Iowa. And Brian is an avid sports gamer of all times, too. I remember doing like some racing games and stuff, and I don't know anything about racing, so that was pretty comical. I loved how you threw some low-key shade at WCW on the latest podcast. We, <laughs> we ordered all the WWF pay-per-views. We ordered all the ECW pay-per-views. It never even entered into our heads to no, WCW. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I could probably count on one hand. No, I know I should say the eighties. I ordered WCW paper, you know, with like the Steiners, all those guys, Muda. Yeah. That was a golden age. But then I ordered Slambury 94 hmm. when it had what could be one of my favorite matches of all time. And it's funny because um, two of my favorite feuds of all time the common denominator is a tag team. I cannot stand. I, I cannot stand the nasty boys. Mm-hmm. Cannot stand them. And I love their feud with the Steiners. And I love their feud with the, like the foursome of cactus and Max Payne and Kevin Sullivan and, and that yeah. blow off broad street bully match with Kevin Sullivan and cactus Jack against them. And the, the referee uh, from the, um, from the flyers. Um, was his name David Schultz too? I don't, I honestly don't know. I think he might've been Dave Schultz. <laughs> um, no relation. I mean, it was so ridiculous and it was like one of the first matches with all this garbage and plunder and everything. Right. Right. And I, and I, I broke the rule. Tim and I had a rule that you never call during a pay-per-view <laughs> and I called him like, that was great. And I hung up and <laughs> called him later. <laughs> but yeah, we, I just was not in the W even with like the NWI watch nitro. I taped them all. I watched it, but never, yeah. never, uh, bought WCW pay-per-views. I, yeah, I, you know, I was a little bit here and there. It depended, but, but I like you that I thought, I felt there was a golden age. It was indeed Dave Schultz, by the way, for, okay. for the record, for, okay. for anyone keeping score out there. Everyone's um, remembering things. But uh, yeah, I, again, I can't recommend Uncharted Territory enough. Uh, I was so excited when you guys started doing it. And, you know, we had had the episode of uh, uh, KOPW where, uh, you know, you guys had um, actually recorded an interview with Todd because I wasn't able to make that one. And, you know, we mm-hmm. put that one on, on the podcast and I, I was just thrilled. And I, I, you know, I loved hearing you guys talk and uh, was so excited to be able to actually interview you guys finally. And, and of course, with the cons, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the panels and stuff. And uh, every time we've been able to chat since then, 
has always been a blast and and you certainly have uh, such a wonderful rapport on the podcast with one another but also you know just with the fandom it's clear that everybody is really dialed in um so i I, like I said, I can't say enough good about it. And I, I look forward to it every Friday. It's, it's, it's to be completely honest, it's one of the few podcasts that I listen to regularly. I don't listen to much regularly, but I always make sure I catch it. Although I will admit, I, I told this to Todd last week and he cracked up. I listened to it at 1.5 speed just because, you know, I want to make sure I can listen to it and, and, and get through it. Cause sometimes, you know, life just <laughs> takes over. Uh, so I told Todd, it was going to be really weird to hear your voice at normal speed again. Cause I've been listening to it at 1.5. <laughs> speed for the past like few months so <laughs> i do that too to plow through podcasts and it's weird like if anybody's gonna try that it takes like about a week like you think you think you're like your brain's gonna blow up but then right. once you get used to it and i i do that with a lot of my podcasts just to get through them especially you know some of these ones that are you know cornets three-hour epics and you know and, yeah. and and i especially i don't i like listening to jim cornet from a historical aspect I don't, I don't really care about anybody's opinions on AEW or WWE, to be honest, you know, so right. I kind of speed through that. It's like, oh, hey, he's asking a question about Mid-South and the touring schedule. I want to really hear about that, you know, or what's going yeah. on in Dolphin, Alabama, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I haven't listened to him in a long, long time. And it's not because of any, you know, like any dislike or, you know, I'm upset <laughs> for any of his opinions, just just haven't done it. But um, there's this... Uh, uh, We've already gone way too long, but the hell with it's it. Fine. There's this, this great Friday series. Night, hanging out. <laughs> yeah, right. There's this great series uh, that he did, and I, I don't know if he probably still does it. Where basically they'll look at a match and he'll go really in depth with like what's happening. Oh the yeah, match. And it was, yeah. yeah. And we haven't uh, done that in a while, but that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love that stuff. And I know that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin has done that on a couple of his podcasts as mm-hmm. well. Uh, I think the first one he did was the the. Um, Bret Hart match at WrestleMania, um, which I, which I loved. And I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, when you just get that, you know, inside perspective on, on how a match was put together on Mm -hmm. what was going through their minds while they were doing it. And Cornette has such vivid memories anyway. uh, And, and I just, and and some of the stuff that he points out, you know, it's stuff that you would never notice in a million years. You would have had to have like been in his shoes to notice it. But once he does, you're just like, Oh, holy shit. That's right. That's absolutely like, that's what's happening there. And I love it now. Oh yeah. There's um, stuff I learned so much. There's stuff he'll say. And I'm like, man, we gotta, we gotta use that in IPW. You know, it's just like, that makes sense. You know, totally. This cool thing. They, I think they started this week was um, Brian last his you know, co-host set reads off results and Cornette has to say what year and what town or what oh, territory. Wow. And I would, he was darn close the majority of the time. Like he he read off this one result. He goes, so it's a smaller northeastern town in 1952, 53, and it was Buffalo, New York, in that time frame. Or wow. you know, he's hitting really close. It's it's amazing. That's awesome. It was fun, and I'm sitting there going, where you know, I'm trying to compete, and I'm like, ah. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because I know that there are some things, some opinions, some takes, if you will, that he has these days that have alienated a, a large portion of the fan base. And I think that it's extremely unfortunate because while I agree with barely anything he has to say about like modern current professional wrestling, mm-hmm. um, it is not going to, for one second, turn me off from the fact that the man is a, you know, pro wrestling genius and wow. just a, an extremely incredible resource. I mean, the guy knows stuff that 
they're literally generations of people that have died out that, right. that, you know, were the keepers of that knowledge. And now he's, you know, one of the keepers of that knowledge. So, right. um, it would be a shame, I think, to, to turn a deaf ear on him just because you don't agree with his opinions about something. Um, and then of course there are p- tons of people that agree with everything he has to say and, and, you know, would follow him no matter what. So for those people, it right. doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> well, and I mean, he, you know, um, Big thanks to Travis Heckle. Uh, Cornette donated two of his signed autographed, signed autographed, duh, two of his autographed <laughs> figures signed by Jim Cornette, his action figures, to the Galacticon auction. I yeah. mean, Todd has done such a good job of generating interest. And, you know, he told me what his goal is for this year and what his goal is for next year. And I I got really choked up because it. Uh, Todd's doing so much to help the museum out, and he's never even been there. Yeah. And for somebody like me who's been there and know what it means and know the magic of that place. Um, I, I just, I'm very thankful to Todd and the entire community. And, you know, there's this bidding war already breaking out over the color of chaos drawn by Randy Bugdale. I love it. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like Pete Beck and, and, and uh, Kevin Butcher, sh- you know, popping off about that. I'm like, I, I might be throwing my hat in the ring and I know a few people out. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And when when Mike said he was doing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that so much. So, but yeah, those Cornet signed action figures, I already have one, um, but one's a variant, so I might have to go after the variant. <laughs> I, I, I joked, I joked with Todd, and I was like, look, if he can get a Midnight Express scrapbook, and, and oh. uh, I'll I'll be down for that. You know? Have you ever seen one? I have seen one, but I've never, I don't, I mean, I don't have one. Okay. I've only seen pictures of one. I've oh, never. I have one. Yeah. Maybe if you're nice, I'll bring, but you have to wear the gloves, you know. Okay. Like ha- no handling the constitution, <laughs> right? <laughs> National treasure. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I, I, yeah, that's one of those that I missed out on. And it's funny because uh, he would always, uh, you know, shill it on the, um, kayfabe commentary stuff that he was doing oh yeah sean oliver he was, he was always talking about it and uh and i thought oh i'll get it one of these days oh i'll get it one of these days and now it's you know it's been out of print for a few years yeah. and you know sky high prices uh, on ebay but uh if you can find one on ebay um yeah it's like that gary hart book yep i was just thinking the same thing yeah, yeah. thankfully i got one of those too so um nice. i really i mean he's talked about for years about doing a smoky mountain book um and you know i think I think we've gone past the 20th anniversary of it closing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that would have been 15. So yeah. it's like, Oh my gosh. Cause he, here's how nerdy I am. This, this is embarrassing, but I don't care. <laughs> so with the uh, online observers, like when somebody passes away or if there's a big, like a big historical article, I go and like, you know, copy it and, drop it into a word doc. It looks just like it. I have the ISBN number on the top and everything. <laughs> um, so, and I keep those in a, in a file of just bios and stuff. And part of it is for the game. It helps if we're researching a guy that mentions his moves, you know? Yeah. I went through every observer for any mention of Smoky Mountain from when it started to when it died and I have this Smoky Mountain History Observer, and it's like 120 pages long. And it's got all the results that were printed in there, like when they had the result. I know this is terrible. Man, no, it's awesome. Um, and um, it's and it's just it's just cool. And I, I kind of started one. I never finished the ECW one, but I started the ECW one, you know, as well. Um, just because I love having the history. Or if there's anything about Sam Muchnick in St. Louis, you know, I have an observer of that. And that's pretty lengthy, too. Yeah. Um, so... We'll, we'll talk off air about how you can see those. 
he used to right <laughs> he used to talk i know that dave used to talk a lot with with sam and larry and stuff mm-hmm. like, uh, they you know it, it, which is kind of funny considering like the way sam was when he was like promoting right would have would have like kicked a guy like dave like down the corner you know right. like get away from my promotion but but afterwards you know he was he was a little bit more open i know larry was very open with dave and they yeah you know, they were friendly for a long time but i um, think paul bosch was the same way with dave but i think they both realized he was coming at it from a historical not an expose he you know he wasn't trying to run the national Enquirer. Right. He was looking at it from a business perspective and you know it's certainly morbid but the best issues of the observer are the obituary ones. Yeah. I hate saying that because it makes you sound like you're an ambulance chaser. Um, But just the way he gets, because anymore with all the MMA in there, which just doesn't interest me as much anymore as, you know, I'll watch an MMA fight, but I don't follow it. Like when UFC one started. Yeah. And there's just so much MMA in there. There's so much TV ratings and stuff. It's like he doesn't have the opportunity and the time to do these big in-depth historical pieces about a territory or something, you know? He's yeah. He's done a lot of great stuff, but he's never done my, my big AWA history for me, so. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I but I, you know, when I was doing some research for the the ongoing long-lapsed, not, not too long-lapsed, but lapsed project uh, for my All Japan stuff, uh, right. y- you know, he was such a curator of all Japan in the nineties, like as it was happening. And he was there for a lot of the matches, the big, yeah. you know, a lot of the big matches in person. And so his accounts are often, you know, just fantastic. And, and, you know, I've gotten a lot of use out of that. And of course, like you mentioned his obituaries, when he did his Misawa obituary, it was like a two part obituary. And so yeah. like, that was extremely helpful for me to help to connect mm-hmm. some dots. Cause there, cause it's interesting. Cause even in the time since he, you know, wrote that until now, there's been some new information that's come to light because I know that Misawa's widow, um, um, was very hesitant at first to to speak to you know to to kind of like give any interviews or whatever, and then she ended up writing a book. And, oh, really? And so, yeah, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the uh, there's been a lot of like newer information just about him, like you know personally, like just how he you know how he was, uh, mm-hmm. especially when he would like. Um, apparently like his you know his favorite thing like he always had his game boy with him like he was always playing games like you know he he'd he'd, he'd, you know take a long soak in the tub just because he was always so sore and everything and he had his game boy with him and whatnot but uh yeah little little things like that uh which Uh just add to kind of who he was as a human and i know with the because we're actually not that far removed from the anniversary of his death as, as we record this, which is just, I think about six days ago is it the 12th, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, the it's interesting because yeah it seems like there are a lot of walls have kind of come down because a lot of the wrestlers were were talking much more openly just about mm-hmm. you know who he was and so it's really interesting you know to kind of have dave's like historical perspective and then also just have more information you know even coming out now and in the world right. in which we live it's more accessible you know right. I mean, just imagine like 20 years ago if a japanese wrestler had given an interview in japan we wouldn't know what the hell they said right you know, we'd be lucky if we would have gotten like maybe like a snippet or something like that in right. the observer but um it's it's pretty incredible the, the the resources that we have at our disposal these days except for the wwe network of course yeah <laughs> rest in peace yeah, right oh man well on that note speaking of rest in peace let's yeah. go ahead and wrap <laughs> this thing up uh I, again chad thank you so much i uh, really appreciate you joining us and um i i cannot wait for people to get their hands on the set cannot wait for people to to hear the rest of the names uh and i'm really looking forward to seeing the reactions to to the kurt angle announcement mm-hmm. um 
I've enjoyed reading the Backland uh, reactions already, uh, and it's 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 going to be a really it's going to be a really cool summer uh, for Filsinger Games fans. It's going to be a really cool year for Filsinger Games fans. There's yes. some cool stuff on the horizon. So, uh, you know, and oh, one last thing I do want to mention, you know, the IPW set obviously did have to get delayed until next year, mm-hmm. but I'm really really looking forward to it. I, I haven't had the chance to say that to you, you know, in, in person, if you will, over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So I can't wait to to see what you guys do with it. Well, I'm excited for everybody who's coming to the Hall of Fame to take in a show. I mean, this is this is our WrestleMania. I mean, nice. we've been saying that for years. And obviously, it's not our standard show because we have so many big names on there, too. We have to structure things around. You know, there'll, be a, uh, there'll probably be a battle royal with a lot of our guys. But you might get a, get familiar with some of the guys who might be in that um, set next year. And, um, you know, the discussion Troy and Todd and I had was very productive. And, you know, Troy said, it's like, you know, we've waited 10 years to do this. We don't need to rush it. And, you know, between doing the 20th anniversary show and getting to Hall of Fame season and and trying to get things, you know, we're getting the, the TNT Hall of Fame set out in July this year. <laughs> Last year it was September. It's to, so you can have it at the Hall of Fame. It was just, it wasn't going to work, you know, from uh, an artwork, a production state, it was just too much. So we're going to do it right next year and and we'll have it available. And I hope folks get into it because, you know, we don't, we're not on IWTV. We have our shows on Facebook and stuff so people can check us out there. Um, But, you know, we're just, we're just good pro wrestling, in my opinion. You know, we have a variety of stuff. We will do the the crazy death matches a couple times a year, but we got some cruiserweight guys, you know, some good flyers. And we had a lot of great uh, veteran talent who've been with us since 2004. Wow. And and they, they're well-trained, you know, our learning tree comes from our head trainer, Travis Shillington, former wrestler's TS aggressor. And I know I'm going long, so I'm going to take it home. You know, he trained under Brad Rangins and Wayne Bloom and, Mm -hmm. A gentleman by the name of Kurt Henning would stop into <laughs> Brad Renning's school and he would work with them. He was he was building himself up for a comeback between his WWF and WCW runs. Mm. He'd come there and work out. And all those, you know, Brad Rangins, he trained under Vern Gagne. Yeah. Um, so our guys know their stuff. This is not some fly by night thing. And you know, Mike Bennett did his tour around the country. I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw that video. You know, he came to our school. That's they, awesome. They contacted us. They didn't we didn't go fishing to find Mike Bennett and run a show on a Monday night, which we never do. And it was freaking 30 below. Oh, <laughs> it was, man. it was so cool. I felt bad for him, but I yeah. mean, I'm like, I was ringing on. So like, I don't want to go out this, <laughs> you know, uh, and they had travel problems getting up because it was during the ice storms in Oklahoma and Texas. Mm. So our school is legit. You know, and our wrestlers are legit, and and they get booked out on other places. A couple of our guys were just out at a um, GCW series, and Zeke ran into him out out in I think it was New Jersey or Philly yeah. somewhere. Yeah, they were yeah. in New Jersey. I think yeah, it was Zeke, last weekend or weekend before. Yeah, Zeke talked to them, and I talked to him last week at our show and stuff. So nice. I, I'm anxious for everybody to to see him in person, and and then maybe get excited for the set. Yeah, that's very cool. I know that you know when you told me about the 20th anniversary set, I think I misunderstood you at first, and I thought it was going to be streaming live, and I was like, "Dude, I'm there. Just you know, let me know where the link is." So, uh, well, that was our yeah. original plan, but uh, we, yeah, that, that was our plan, but that didn't work. Yeah, uh, you know, next time, <laughs> 20 years from now, yeah, maybe for the 25th, we'll have that figured out, and there'll be some new platform that we don't get. 
Right, right. I mean, you're talking to a guy who's still using a VCR, for God's sakes. <laughs> I, have, I have one, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, for two guys who have VCRs and still read print books, uh, we're going to call it a night. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Uh, Chad, you got anything else to say before we get out of here? Um, I could talk all night, so I'm going to show uh, Yeah, yeah, right. I, you know, Me here's, too. One, here's one parting <laughs> shot. I am looking very forward to meeting you in person in Waterloo, Sam. Yes, me as well. I am really looking forward to that. It's uh, it's going to be a highlight of my summer, honestly. It's uh, it's yeah. I look forward to meeting you as well. So, so take care of yourself in the meantime. I will. I will. You too, sir. <laughs> I will. I will. All right, everybody. This has been Roll Up. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the announcements yet to come, and we look forward to, of course, uh, corresponding with you guys over on the discussion boards. And uh, don't forget, of course, Galacticon is coming up soon, and uh, then of course the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame right after that. So if if you can't make uh, GCon, then hit up Waterloo, and if you can't do either one of those, find us on the message boards.